Hi fam, and welcome to a Sober Girls podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I have been sober for 11 years, and through that time have been through my own ups and downs, not only with staying sober, but also learning to live life on life's terms. If you are listening to this, then you have previously or are currently struggling and are ready to take certain steps to get better. Alcoholism has affected each of us differently, but we all have the same stories, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. You are ready to make a change in your life, and we are glad to have you here. This community is one of strength, commonality, and inclusion. The only way we stay sober is to help the suffering alcoholic and addict, and I am ready to take you on that journey with me. So let's get started. What's up, Sam? Happy Wednesday. I am, first of all, I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, Second of all, uh, this episode is a little bit hard for me to record. Not because, I don't know, not because I'm emotional about it, like cry emotional, but a couple of weeks ago, Eric Kay from the Los Angeles Angels, a major league baseball team, was found guilty of distribution leading to the death of Tyler Skaggs, a pitcher, number 45, for the Los Angeles Angels on July 1st, 2019. And when I took to Twitter, I noticed that a ton of people were heavily, heavily upset that Eric Kay was found guilty of Tyler Skaggs' death. And why were they upset? Because evidently drug dealers are not guilty of giving drugs to users. Now listen, I'm not saying that the drug dealers are responsible for our death or our success or what have you, but we live in a country where there is little to no prosecution for drug dealers. There's little to no prosecution for someone to be found guilty of someone else's death in a drug use or death-related position. There are a few states I know that are working towards that progression. Virginia, unfortunately, is stupid and is not one of those um, states. And I really wish it was because I had a friend who died of a heroin overdose because he couldn't find his oxy pills and the drug dealer told him this was the next best thing and he had never done heroin before. So he told me he was leaving work. He had an upset stomach and the next morning he was found dead in his hotel room. So... I do have a little bit of a beef with drug dealers not being found guilty. I know for a fact that my friend chose to take that heroin and that drug dealers probably don't have lessons and classes on how much to give yourself, right? So ultimately, it's the drug addict's fault for taking them, and that's the part that really kind of pisses me off. So when I was reading all the things that people were saying about Eric Kay and how he shouldn't get 25 years or how he shouldn't have been found guilty because he didn't take the pill, I just think that it's such a bunch of bullshit because all it does is victim blame, right? Tyler Skiggs isn't there to defend himself, so, you know, he's just a fucking junkie, so why not just victim blame him? It's like saying the girl that showed up at the party wearing the too short skirt deserved to get raped. I mean, the thought process of some of these people just drives me up a wall. And I started to think about it and I started to look into it a little bit more. And Tyler 
had a previous drug problem, okay, in 2013. And when he had Tommy John surgery in 2014, his mom actually said, listen, he has had a problem with opioids before, so he can't have anything stronger than Tylenol-3. And that's actually kind of difficult because Tommy John surgery is not an easy surgery to bounce back from. Tommy John surgery is potentially career-ending for a baseball player, and we all know that athletes hate to be taken out of the game, right? We know that athletes hate to miss a rotation. I have interviewed a couple of MLB wives, and they've told me about the struggles that their players have had with injuries, not opioids, with injuries. So I really want you to hear that and digest that, that statement. The players struggled with injuries, like anybody would, but Players don't want to miss a game. They don't want to be taken out of the game. So what do you do to stay in the game? Whatever you can, right? And that was kind of the thing with all addicts. It's not just about staying in the game. It's about staying present. It's about being able to do what you can do to function. And our bodies tell us that we need opioids, we need drugs, we need alcohol in order to function. We need alcohol to be able to dance with a lampshade on your head. And I can confirm I do not need alcohol to do that anymore. That we need drugs because drugs mask the pain. And when you mask the pain, you're able to do your job more efficiently. Well, you appear you're able to do your job more efficiently. So due to his copious amounts of injuries that this man has been dealing with for the past, gosh, four years since 2013. It's 2019 now. Um, but his, you know, last big event was right before he passed away in April. Uh, he stepped in a divot and twisted his ankle pretty bad. I mean, not twisted his ankle, but like sprained his ankle to an ungodly amount of points where he couldn't put pressure on um, and release. And that's a huge thing for a pitcher, okay? Like your release is basically everything. So the trial brought around the fact that Eric Kay had not only been providing Tyler Skaggs pills, but he was also providing other players' pills. Um, Matt Harvey was one of them, and he now plays for the Mets. Uh, CJ Crone was another one who had received them from Kay, and Harvey had also given pills to Skaggs, Percocet pills, from his specific dealer. So... He kind of paid him back because Skaggs had given him pills. And during the trial, Harvey said that he wished he advised Skaggs against using pain medication recreationally. But he viewed himself at the time as being a good teammate and helping him deal with pain. So it looks like that there is a potential that Tyler Skaggs was taking them recreationally. And due to his previous issues with opioids, no one knew that he had relapsed. My problem is with the fact that this man, Eric Kay, being one of the managers for the team, knew, he knew that Tyler Skaggs had previously dealt with opioid addiction. And instead of holding his ass accountable, this fat fuck found ways to get drugs for Tyler Skaggs and give them to him. And I saw a tweet the other day. 
I don't think that a dealer would knowingly give a person fentanyl. And when I read that, all I saw was red. Because what a stupid, ignorant comment, you guys. We all know that when we get our drugs, we're getting them from some dude on a street corner who doesn't know anything but making money and pushing drugs, okay? And if you think they're not going to cut them, if you think they're not going to put something in them to make them cheaper, if you think they're not going to give you baby aspirin instead of Percocet, you're just as ignorant as the rest of the people out there. Because drug dealers, let me clue you in, they're not honest, okay? Alcoholics and addicts, also not honest. So the fact that people are, number one, surprised that a drug dealer would give someone a pill with fentanyl just blows my mind. And that for me, Eric K, someone who knew Tyler Skaggs previously had issues with opioid addiction, willingly gave him pills. I started to do a little bit of research and now there is, five months after Tyler passed away, there is a treatment program of drug abuse that went into effect after he passed away. Okay, so there's, they have a personalized treatment plan for these players, okay? And if the players fail to cooperate with their initial evaluation, they'll be subject to discipline. So there are a couple of other things that went into that that I am not going to speak on right now because some of it has to deal with natural cannabinoids and cannabinoids. There we go. Um, But they do have educational programs on the dangers of opioid pain and medication, and um, everybody has to attend it. So that's nice. They have educational programs for them, but the educational programs aren't going to do shit when you have managers in the house that are distributing them to them. And when you're in a lot of pain or when you find that something improves your game and you are in a career where your best years might be between the ages of 21 and 25 and you are done after 7 to 10 years, you need to make sure that you are on your peak performance, okay? And so what are you going to do? If, if there is something that can help you, you're going to take it. I don't know if Tyler Skaggs took these pills recreationally. I do know that I took them recreationally. So if you're using them for pain and you know how they make you feel and they make you feel good and loosey-goosey, then you're probably going to take them, okay? And I get that and I understand that. But the thing that really chaps my ass, and I don't know about the NFL because I don't care about the NFL that much. Right now, baseball's in the middle of a lockout, right? Because the owners want more money, to not be spent and the players want more money to be given to them because they deserve it. But there is a major opioid epidemic in our country. Major. And for men who play 162 games a year, plus spring training, plus the offseason, there's probably two weeks where they're not training, right? Two, maybe three tops, okay? 
And when they get hurt, they're not going to want to stop playing. They're not going to want to come out of the game. So if they can find a way to work through that pain to make sure that they live up to their contract, to make sure that they live up to their end of the deal, they're going to do it. So our anger should not be with a dead man. He was an addict. His wife knew something was going on, but she didn't know what she even said. I think you have an alcohol problem. I'm going to tell Tom, who was another manager in the clubhouse. She said she was angry at the time, but I don't know. I suspect for her to make that statement that she knew something was going on. And I don't think she knew how bad it actually was. Our anger at this point should lie with Eric K. Eric K. had his own opioid problem. He had his own issues. So if you can honestly sit there and say, oh, well, Eric Hay didn't do anything wrong. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know that he was going to take any of this. He absolutely knew what was going on. He absolutely knew what was happening because he was a user himself. He knew about his previous drug problem as well. And when you're making that much money, when you are making $4.17 million as a number I'm going to throw out there, you do not have time to be down, okay? There are other things that go into addiction. Tyler Skaggs potentially was taking these pills um, for recreation, Okay, so let's look at the lifestyle. The lifestyle of a professional athlete can be incredibly exciting, but also lonely and boring at times. Okay, so if you're going out with the guys and you're lonely or you had a shitty game and you want to feel good, you're going to take a pill with a beer. Okay, and my problem is not the fact that he wanted to feel good or he wanted to, you know, if he had a bad game if he wanted to de-stress himself. That is not the problem, okay? The problem is that he was using a type of substance to make himself feel better. And Eric K. knew that he could give them to Tyler Skaggs and get paid for them. So here's this guy who is already dealing drugs, taking drugs. Eric and the other guys make good money, and so he knows that they have money. So why is he going to tell them to stop? Why is he going to tell them, I don't think this is a good idea. This could ruin your MLB career. Of course he's not going to say that. Of course he's not going to say, oh, no, you guys, I really don't think this is a good idea. If somebody's going to give you $30 a pill or $100 a pill and you need it to feed your addiction, of course you're going to do it. Because when you're in active addiction, you're not going to stop and make a good decision, right? So putting Tyler Skaggs' character on trial is absolutely asinine to me. Now, I am going to momentarily hop over to the other side and say, okay, Eric K was a drug addict too, right? So should we feel empathy for him or sympathy for him? Yeah, I feel bad for anybody who's going through addiction and going through bad times, right? But this man was quite literally in charge of protecting these guys, and he did not protect them. He did not help them because he's a drug addict, because he himself 
is a drug dealer. He is not truly there for their benefit. He was there for his. And that is the difference. That is the difference. Yes, Tyler was sharing pills with some of the guys in the clubhouse, like Matt Harvey. Yes, Tyler was probably taking them recreationally. That does not mean that we turn a blind eye to the epidemic that we have in front of us of an opioid problem. If we are continually blaming the addict, we are never, ever going to get anywhere. And that's my problem with all of this. We are blaming the addicts. We are blaming a dead guy. We are going after his character because of a disease he had. Another problem that I have is MLB has all of these rules, okay? They have a substance abuse program that if a player is caught with drugs, they come up with a voluntary treatment program. And if the player follows it, great. If they don't, then they're going to be subject to discipline. And also they're going to have educational classes on opioids. What? You guys remember D.A.R.E. back in the day? D.A.R.E. taught us how to do drugs, not D.A.R.E. to keep us off drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. An educational program is just a way for owners and attorneys to cover their asses, right? Well, we told you guys the dangers of them. No, you guys need to come up with a program that allows players to not only get better, but not have to worry about their own net worth and self-worth. And we also have to have a program of accountability for them. And having a drug dealer in the clubhouse is not a program of accountability. I think it's personally disgusting that these owners have billions of dollars. And I hate saying that because I know that there's a huge argument, oh, millionaires versus billionaires. It is not millionaires versus billionaires, you guys. Okay? These players don't make millions of dollars. There are a select few, yes, that make millions of dollars, okay? But they also have to be able to provide for their families and... A part of providing for your family is having health insurance. I do know from certain sources that MLB and or the team owners do provide health insurance for their players. So that is great. I don't know the specifics of their health insurance, but I do believe it's the responsibility of the employer that if you are going to provide them with health insurance that covers things such as drug rehab or alcohol rehab, that it should not be a punishment for going to do those things. These are things that while we're teaching classes on opioid addiction and what can happen with it, the owners should also be saying to these people, listen, you are a valued asset. We appreciate what you do here. If there is an issue that you need to have taken care of outside of this diamond, we are going to support you in doing that. Based on the owners, I don't think that's a conversation that they typically have with their teammates or team members. Sorry, I guess they're not even team members, they're players. And that, to me, I feel is the bigger issue. These players know that they have to grind. These players know that they have to 
provide because they need those bonuses in their contracts. If they don't play, they don't get paid, right? Okay, so if you're not playing a game, you're not getting paid. So that income is important. That income is important for your family. That income is important so you can pay your rental fees in the state where you play, the mortgage in the house where you live, the rentals and food for when you're on the road. Some players uh, do get per diem, others don't. You know, there's so many different aspects that go into the finances of baseball. And I really do think that if we are going to hold these players to a higher standard than something of a regular Joe, so to speak, that we also need to provide them with the opportunity to live up to that standard. If they're so afraid that the way they are seen and the way that they are valued is simply by a dollar sign or a number on the back of their jersey, then the owners, the MLBPA, and us fans are failing them. It is not Eric Kay's fault that he is an addict. It is not Tyler Skaggs' fault that he is an addict. He and they are just like us. They have a condition that is surrounded and amplified by a million types of fear. So if we are going to drag down the players and hold them accountable, we also have to hold the other people accountable that are distributing them the drugs like Eric K. We have to hold distributors accountable because where they're not held accountable is on the street. We can't hold those people accountable because the normal person doesn't have the financial resources to hold their drug dealer accountable. The normal person doesn't have enough money to get an attorney. The normal person, when they die from addiction, is just chalked up to, oh, another one in the gutter. There is an absolute stigma to addiction. There is an absolute stigma to what has been to what surrounds addiction. I personally think it's great that Eric Kay was held accountable because that is the standard that we should be setting for people who are providing these drug dealers or these addicts with drugs. Did you know that if you go to a bar and you are visibly hammered or drunk or unable to control your faculties, that if the bartender lets you drive and you kill someone, or you kill yourself, or you hurt someone, or hurt yourself, whatever, however it works out, that bartender is responsible for not stopping you from drinking, and can be held liable in the death of the other person or yourself. So we will hold someone who serves liquor accountable, but we're not going to hold someone accountable who works in the same aspect on the street. Or in a clubhouse. And that to me is just not okay. And I really didn't have an idea of where I wanted to go with this episode. And I think we've really nailed it down to the fact that I just believe drug dealers should be held accountable. And it's not to say that you are not accountable for yourself, right? You are not not responsible for your own sobriety. But I do believe that with street drugs and with doctors, there is an opioid issue. And until we are able to truly hammer down on some of those, 
I don't think that we are going to be able to successfully or cautiously bring resolution to addiction. And so when I see people getting upset at drug dealers being held accountable, that just blows my mind. Because, yes, we have problems in addiction. We are fuck-ups. Yes, we relapse. Yes, we are living in a constant state of anxiety. Yes, we are trying to always find ways to be better because we're perfectionists, because we want to be good for people, because we want to be good wives and husbands and daughters and sisters and kids. And we want so badly to be so many things for so many people that we are going to do whatever it takes to be that for that person. And if opioids do that, if alcohol does that, if meditation, exercise, overeating, undereating, if all of these things or any of these things make us better, why would we not want to do it? Right? Why would we not want to hit that home run? Why would we not want to strike out that amazing baseball player? Why would we not want to get an in-the-park triple? Why would we not want to outperform everybody out there so that we can get a better contract? That's the entire mentality of the sport. There are so few people that make it to the major league level that... It's a dog-eat-dog world. You have to be better than the next guy. And if you're in an organization or a job that doesn't allow you grace for being a human and just expects you to just grind, 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 grind because there's always someone coming up behind you that's going to be younger or better or stronger and your organization isn't saying, hey, we've got you, then they are letting their players down. According to the Mets owner, he knew that Matt Harvey was having a drug problem. And he just brushed it off. And why? Because Matt Harvey was making him lots of fucking money. So as long as you're doing everything that everybody wants for you, it's okay. But the minute you screw up or die, all of a sudden, it's your fault. And that's the problem that I have with it. This, you guys, is why recovery is so important, okay? I am not saying that recovery is important so you don't become a victim or so that people can't say bad things about you or so that people can't judge your character. They're always going to judge your character, okay? They're going to judge your character with who you slept with before you got married, who you dated, uh, where you went to college. They're going to judge you based on how you styled your hair that day, how many tattoos you have, how many piercings you have. You are going to be judged, okay? What I'm saying is your recovery is so important because it's truly the only gift that you can give yourself that no one can take away from you. Your recovery is important because at the end of the day, you are the one who is responsible. It's important in your recovery that you surround yourself with people that are good for you and that don't use or push you to use or say oh it's okay it's just one drink because people who know you and know that you have a problem with addiction and then continue to feed your addiction are just as guilty as you are okay you have to be the strong one you have to be the one that says this is not for me I am not saying that we are baseball players or professional athletes 
but we do have our own stressors in our own lives that we have to be accountable for. It may not be showing up to a stadium full of cheering fans, but I'm telling you that putting food on the table for your child, paying your own bills, showing up for work on time, being accountable to friends and family is just as important as a stadium full of people screaming your name. Because those are the people that are going to be cheering for you in the end. And I know that this episode went from here to there. My brain is totally scrambled on this because the analytical baseball part of me wants to give you all the information regarding Tyler Skaggs and MLB and health insurance and everything that goes into it, right? But the addict part of me wants me to just get out there that I think there needs to be more accountability for drug dealers. We hold ourselves accountable by going to AA, by staying in recovery, by going to NA, by surrounding ourselves with good people. We do the heavy lifting. I truly believe that it's easier to slip up with the easy access that we have to drugs. And I can only imagine how much easier it was for Tyler Skaggs to slip up in the presence of someone, not only an active addiction, but fed his addiction as well. And I, a thousand times over, feel so bad for that family. And I feel bad for the way that he died. He didn't get to die sober. He died choking on his own vomit. That is something that happens, right? When we die of overdose. But now everybody knows that. Now everybody knows that Tyler Skaggs choked on his own vomit passing away. With no one there for him. With no help. With no one helping him to be held accountable. And that just breaks my heart. So be kind to people, okay? You never know what they're going through. I don't care if they are a movie star. I don't care if they are a baseball player or a football player. Listen, everybody is just like us. Everybody is. At the core, they're humans. The only reason they're on a pedestal is because we put them there. Don't put anyone on a pedestal to include yourself, okay? And attitude of gratitude this week. I am just thankful for my recovery, you guys. I am, man, am I thankful for being sober. Because there are so many times and so many things that come up that could go the other way. And instead of having people in my life that feed me pills and drugs and alcohol and convince me that it's okay to take them, I have people in my life who say, you do not need those things. You do not need those things to be who you are. You do not need drugs to be better. You do not need drugs to feel less pain. You do not need alcohol to dance with a lampshade on your head. And I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for all of you, and I really hope that this episode at least, maybe if anything, sparked an idea in your head, sparked some interest, sparked a conversation, because sparking conversation is what continues the topic and continues 
the talk and hopefully we can get to a place where we can hold drug dealers accountable. Hopefully we get to a place where we feel like we can safely go to rehab without worrying about losing millions of dollars or leaving a baseball team for a short amount of time or leaving a football team. I really, I really, really hope that we get to a place in discussions where we normalize mental health and we normalize not being addicted but we normalize helping people in addiction. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I am dying without baseball. I know that sounds overdramatic because I'm overdramatic, but I'm 95% sure it's true. So hopefully by the time I come back next week, we'll have some baseball. And maybe I can do another podcast on baseball someday. But until then, I am here, always yours, always your friend, and ready to help you out in any way I can. So if there's anything you ever need, feel free to reach out. Otherwise, stay well, fam. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that today's episode was something that you needed to hear today and can carry with you throughout the week until we get together next week. I really look forward to our time together and sharing my experience, strength, and hope so that you feel less alone and more empowered to keep taking it one day at a time. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at a sober girls pod and on our website at a sober girls podcast.podbean.com. There you can find episode specific content and contact information. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Until next time, fam, be well.